1: 18 plus he's always got to get the first word happy tuesday folks it's it's major league trade deadline day so as i said yesterday it's like one of the few days where there's actually excitement in the summer in terms of sports i mean not talking about like individual games because you know or the british you know or the british open or you know whatever but you know just as a as like in terms of a, British a Open. where does the British Open come in a lexicon of great things? Come on. Well some people like it. I mean please people got excited for five seconds when Tiger Woods was 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 uh, oh, yeah. was, uh contending until he you know until he started focusing on who he was gonna date from some waffle house next um <laughs> You know, but uh, anyway, <laughs> so, sorry. I just have to go there because talk about talk about an athlete who just completely destroyed himself. Uh, and I—that's I, the thing. Everybody's got this sympathy for Tiger, and everybody roots for Tiger. And I—I I never liked Tiger. I was always a Phil Mickelson fan, and I don't root for him now for this great sort of like uh, renaissance type of story. It's like he destroyed himself, so I have no sympathy for him. Okay, I
2: not mean, part say- of sports, yeah. Mike. That—that that is the—that the, is sports, particularly individual player sports to a T. They love you when you're young. You're the phenom. You come out of nowhere, you get to the sports middle age time. They start turning on you. You have, you have some bad years. You do some crazy things in your personal life. You come back around and you give them a taste of the glory of what they loved you. This story has been written particularly with tennis players for years. And Russ, you'll know this for sure. It's probably happened with baseball players, too, because there's a little bit of an individual skill set to the game of baseball that's unique because of the way you bat, the way you do things. It's, But you, know, you don't really see it with hockey players as much. You don't really see it with basketball players as much. But in those unique skill sets, particularly the way the sport's designed, where it's a one-person action, you see it. And I don't know, you could probably name off a few baseball players. Um, I can't think of it because I'm not a big baseball guy, but you know, tennis for sure, golf, we've seen it. Oh, yeah. um, and there's more.
3: No question. So, one other pre show thing to, to talk about. Mike, are you still there? Okay. I thought you froze. Nope. Yep, I'm here. Okay. Um, James in the chat room has already said, let's get it going. It's like, slow it down, dude. This is our, we warm up into it. This is how we warm up our, our brains. But um, the other day, Something weird happened online. There was a um, a nugget of a new song that came out from the other faction of Yes, the ARW faction. If you're not a yes fan, it's Anderson Raven Wakeman and and a few others. And so for some reason the song got released a little bit and then it went dead because the name of the song was Fragile. Now, of course, Yes has an album named Fragile. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe the other side didn't like that they had a song named Fragile, I don't know. But all of a sudden yesterday, it was back out on YouTube in full form. So maybe there was like a one day disagreement between the two sides. But here's the thing, the song is really good. Mm-hmm. Anderson, Rabin connection of songwriting and harmonies are excellent. Rick Wakeman's piano play is really solid. And what's funny here is like a lot of people will bring up, all oh, the Rolling Stones are great. Look, they're seventy-five. They're out there. Yeah, but you know, any kind of music they've tried to create in the last decade has been horrible, or two decades.
1: you you I was saying you're being kind because honestly, it's like, and people think I say this for shock value because my, my, my stance on Springsteen, I, I've just never been a big Springsteen fan, and think, you know, but you know, he was good back in the day, and then I think he just has really de- de- devolved into something that's just horrific um the stones the stones have been terrible for 30 years for more than 30 years i think tattoo you was probably the last good album that they did
2: you, you want yeah. a little new fact about tattoo you yeah. tattoo you was mostly outtakes from other albums that they came back around apollo i
1: oh, see that makes sense right so they so they ran out of they've run out of they ran out of ideas in 1980 yeah. like you know like so the one thing about don't it,
2: listen to tattoo you play it as an entire album front to back it's wicked it's yeah. really
1: know, it's really good. good it's good it's good i'm not saying it's not i'm just saying at a certain point they they just stopped being creative
3: cousin, it, cousin eddie disagrees with you and said
2: steel wheels
3: was good but here's the thing so getting, getting back, your lip baby
2: yeah i can sing that
3: one <laughs> getting, getting back to it though these guys have been writing all along with different things. Like Trevor Raven has been doing music scores. He's already done over 50 and he actually brings in full orchestras into the studio to do these scores. So that's something that's kept him creative. John Anderson's worked with a lot of different people over the years to keep him creative. These other guys, a lot of times they just take time off and they don't stay with it. And that, and that's the issue. So what I'm saying here is for like, yes, this 50th anniversary, the other side, when they came out with an album last year, it was like two good songs. Like, honestly,
1: that's all there was. This well, one, I have, a, I have a high hopes for. I actually do. Well, this, and this is the thing, and then we'll start the show. And what um, did you think of the song, Mark? Like? I thought it was pretty good. I, I really did. I, you're, I, a t- it, you're a tougher critic than me, so. Yeah, it, it exceeded my expectations because I, I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm very hesitant when it comes to, like, older artists yeah. developing something that's not sort of derivative of what they've done in the past. And this was yeah. sort of, you know, it was fresher than I expected. Yeah the the one the one, th- the one thing though is like and you know I saw Anderson Raven and Wakeman at the UB uh, Center for the Arts a few years ago and they were really really good and when I saw and this was after they had been in the rock and roll hall of fame I thought that there was a, a reunion tour because it's a, an evening of yes and it was like at one of the casinos around here and then I found out it was the Steve Howe version I had no interest in seeing it. So it's like, I mean, really, uh, I mean, I, you know, I can't imagine the classic yes songs being sung by anything of anybody other than John Anderson. So what's the point? I'm really going to go see, and I love the drama album. I'm really going to go see the, you know, the drama album from song one to song eight. No, no,
3: nobody's going to do that.
1: All right. Uh, Our last thing is Bryce Harper. So yes, John Rizzo,
3: is that his first name?
1: Yes, I believe so.
3: So John Rizzo for the, for the nationals should probably be fired. He probably should have been fired years ago when, when Steven Strasburg was. Was having his best season and they sat him and they didn't play him in the playoffs and Davey Johnson sort of went as crazy as he could, who was the manager at the time, because they couldn't use the, his best pitcher, they get eliminated. They've never really gotten closer to the world series since. And so now. They have their one opportunity to trade Bryce Harper, who will be a UFA next year?
1: No, next, I, next? No, no, no. This this next this, year. Oh, yeah, right. Next year.
3: Yeah. So next year he's a UFA, and he says he's not going anywhere. And it's like this is after a day where they said he could be traded. Like I don't. Hmm. Excuse understand me. what's
1: going on. What does this sound familiar to? Uh, Brooklyn, uh, Barclays Center, yeah. certain big. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like it's it's yeah. it's the same gosh darn thing as Tavares. If you don't have a new deal signed, you trade the guy because. Right. He can. He's not going to be held responsible for what he's saying right now before the trade deadline, and you know there's no way he's going to get through the non-way through waivers before August 31st. So this is your last best opportunity to get a bevy for a guy who there's no guarantees in a come. And if he really wants to come back to Washington, then he'll sign a cheaper Washington. deal, or or he'll or they'll pay him what what he thinks he's worth in free agency. But I'm saying yeah. at least they get that young bevy of talent. And in this instance, they're giving up on that on the hope that they can sign him, and that's dumb.
3: Yeah, I just don't get it. And I guess if if they don't make the playoffs or if they somehow do make it and get eliminated again, you know, Rizzo's got to go. That team has a lot of minor league talent. A lot of it hasn't hasn't had a chance to even break through yet at the major league level. So that's it. I would just get rid of the guy.
1: Hello, Hockey World. Today is Tuesday, July 31st, 2018
2: i'm peter testy in winnipeg
1: i'm russ cohen uh, I, I was almost going to say north master
3: Peak, where that's where i used to be from uh we'll just say glass
1: and i'm michael Ajello from parts unknown and this is the hockey buzz cast here on hockeybuzz.com uh i always say parts unknown because of my my youth uh, watching wrestling and i have to say rest in peace to nikolai Volkov, one oh, of my yeah. favorite. Yeah. Favorite uh, heels in in professional wrestling, him and the Iron Sheik, with that Russia. What was he really? Was he an Italian guy? What was he really? I don't know. I I, I I'm assuming that was his actual name, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, oh, some- you know what he
3: was? He was Yugoslavian. That's right. Someone told me once.
1: Okay, so you, so so instead of instead of working for Brezhnev or, or Khrushchev, you work for Marshall Tito. There you go. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um. We'll we'll cover a few things today, and we'll take some questions at the end of the show in the ch- in the chat. If you have any uh, questions regarding free agency or trades or whatever, um. Start with a signing that happened again after we got off the air yesterday, which was Kevin Hayes, and we talked about Kevin Hayes in terms of what he might sign for and. Russ, you got a, you both of you guys got a pretty close. I think I got, I think I was a little under five. I think I said 475 for a million, and he ended up signing for 5.125. One
3: of us at one point yesterday said 5.15 for something. I think I did for something. I think Peter did for something. I said five something. Yeah. And, and this is the right move. I know there are some Ranger fans that think he should be part of a long term team, and I, I don't think so. I mean, he's a center. He's not a big-time playmaker. I know there's people out there with advanced stats that said a couple of years ago he was, like, first or second in the league in primary assists. First, let me tell you, there is no difference between a primary assist and a secondary assist. They right. all have purpose. They all have meaning. They all lead to goals. So I don't care about that stat. Secondly, last year he had 19 assists. Like, there was plenty of opportunity when there was no pressure on that team for him to create and he didn't. He gets goals, that's great. You know, I I can look it up. I think Jan Hlavac had 19 goals one year. Not yeah. to say, not to diminish his 25, but just to say, hey, when you got a one-dimensional guy, you know, you have a one-dimensional guy, actually he had 28 goals for the Rangers one year, Jan Hlavac. See, there you go. 19 is first year. Okay, that's what I was remembering. So he had tw- Jan Hlavac had 28 goals. Like was everybody saying, "Oh no, you got to keep him." No, and he ended up going to Philly. And he ended up having ten goals in thirty-one games there. Like this is just—it's the same sort of thing. Not the same position, so don't hold me to that. But I just think it's the same sort of thing. It's a good move to just get him in there to be the placeholder this year.
1: Right now, that—that's and that's the sort of dilemma here is you know he's one year away from unrestricted free agency. So now you've signed him. So now he's basically—he's—he's a, he's a lame duck. He's a rental. Um, and my, my Peter, my thought was, and I was telling Russ this before the show is that, um, you sign Hayes for one year at this point, if you were trading Hayes as an RFA unsigned, I think reasonably what you would get on the trade market would be something like a second round pick, maybe a little higher, but something like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think so. If, I, he, I don't...
1: if he has a good year and he's a rental and he's capable of playing center and wing and he scores around what he scores this year. I think you get a low first from a contending team. He's a big guy; he's not a tough guy, but he's a big guy and he can score. I think they lose nothing because they're not a contending team. They're just, you know, it's the cap spaces; it's money, and MSG prints it like like MLS and E does. So it really that that's meaningless. And if they can get more assets by keeping them for three quarters of a season and trading them, I think that's a better move.
2: Well, yeah, I think so. And given what we're not given the given the unknown about what the Rangers are going to be next year, that that plays right into that thing. If he has a great season and you know, you're going to have to come back to the table and negotiate again. Well, then trading him for something for your future. If the team isn't what it should be, it makes a ton of sense. And you're sort of out of that bind. The other thing is, is Hayes is going to be, he won't be 27 till next May. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he, you know, he's not old. And, there's still a certain faction of GMs that value size among, among everything. But if you combine size and goal scoring and, and not be Milan Lucic, you, have got value.
3: Yeah. You know what it is too? It's like the Rangers have a lot of guys now who could play center and a few who could play center and wing like Heedle. And so like when you start looking at Hayes, it's like, okay, like what is he most likely on another team? He's going to be a winger, but like if he's a winger, He's not going to get to 30 goals and he's not going to get to 60 points. So that's when he just becomes this sort of $5 million. We could get those players almost anywhere kind of player. I mean, I you know, you hate to say it, but I think that's where, you know, his market is right
1: now. Um, now I just pulled up and this was a, a story today from the Montreal Gazette, uh, Brendan Kelly from the Montreal Gazette regarding Max Pacioretty, and this is this is you know Russ. You think the Carlson situation in Ottawa is getting ugly? The general managers in the league know that Bergeron Mark Bergeron the GM of the Habs, is desperate to trade Pacioretty. According to this article, it's saying that the marriage basically between Pacioretty and the Canadians is over with. Um, the whole thing with the there was a there was a trade with the LA Kings that got shut down because the Kings wanted an extension signed. Um, and now basically everybody is lowballing the, the uh, Bergevin when it comes to patch but he needs to move them because you know, it's just not, he's not going to, they're not going to sign him. He doesn't want to sign there. It's, it's over with, but, you know, they're not they're gonna get pennies on the dollar for him. And it also chronicles what we've talked about on previous webcasts about the reason that he changed from Pat Brisson to uh to Alan Walsh. Brisson played minor league hockey with Bergevin, their best buddies, and a lot of Brisson. Uh, clients are Habs players, so there's a relationship, an intertwining relationship there, and that's probably the reason why uh, Patcharetti separated himself from from Brisson and went to Walsh. So, okay, but so to this, be fair, Brisson
3: uh, too. I mean, he's got yeah. a lot of
1: other clients. Oh, you know? I, I agree, and I know, and I know that so there was thing that he has. It's not just him. I agreed, and I know that there was there was talk about about the time that uh, this was going down about the you know him being focused on Tavares, and we know that he was for 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 a, a certain segment. But just getting to the Canadians here, I mean, we don't expect no nobody expects them to be a contending team. I don't think many people expect them to be a playoff team ex- unless Carey Price stands on his head. This situation is like, I mean, there's a it's this is no win for both sides. I think.
3: Yeah, I here's the thing, when things get ugly in Montreal, they get really ugly because it there's you know the way the press is there, it's it's all like TMZ side sort of reporting, there's always leaks, there's always these stories. Like we don't hear these stories about the Chicago Blackhawks, right? We just never yeah. do. But we always hear these stories about the Montreal Canadiens and and honestly, I think that's part of the problem and why they haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1993. I mean, they just You know, you you wish you could just – they could keep things internally. We don't need to know everything that's going on. Right now, it's probably hard to trade Max Pacioretty, so he's going to have to start the season there. It's going to be tense. It'll be like when P.K. Subban knew his days were numbered. You know, it's just – why – just it happens too frequently there, and it's not one person to blame. It's not. It's just the whole place. It's just it's what happens there, and I just sort of like – like, I hear it now, and it's just like, I don't even know what else to say. It's like, he's a good player. You go put him on another team, he'll probably score 30 goals this year. Right. But right now there, even if he scores 30 goals, like, it'll be a bad 30 goals like Alex Galchenyuk's 30 goals were, you know? It's just like, that's the perception.
1: Yeah, empty, like empty calories, basically. Yeah. No, yeah. but, but – and and the, the point the point being, when there was talk of the trade with the Kings, the talk was Bergevin was holding out for a guy like Velardy. And you're not going to get a former first round pick who many people think is going to be a very good NHL player for a guy who's and you know, this is not a slam against Pacioretty. He's a consistent 30 goal scorer. He's been great in Montreal. I think he's, he's not over the hill at all. I think he's going to continue to be that player for at least a few years. But the situation peter where he's a rental he's a pure rental and he's not going to sign anywhere and according to it it sounds like he wants to be a free agent next summer and find out and choose where he wants to go the price that you can demand for a rental it's just so much and and most teams are not going to go over that
2: no and 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 that's 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 the reality of it i think a lot of Times when there's a trade in this, when you have a player who's in UFA, you try to put in a position where you get them to a team that one, he doesn't come back and bite you in the butt, but also that he delivers a little bit more fair value and you have to work with the team, the the acquiring team and the agent to say, are you open to this? Is there something there? And that's not uncommon, but it's hard to do sometimes depending on the player. And if a player is hell bent on saying, this is my shot to, to cash in, Maybe they know it's a thin class, like it was this year. Next thing you know, th- they're going to do that, and you're not going to get the return. You're absolutely right, Mike. You just you don't.
1: Well, Russ, and th- this this is the situation in a couple different places. And Peter, uh, first uh, Tyler Myers. I mean, after Turba signed his deal, and Turba's making over five million dollars, and Myers is making five point five in the final year of his deal. um, I mean is the sense in Winnipeg that Myers is going to stay the whole year or are they going to move them before, or are they going to try to extend them? Away? What, what is the sense there?
2: I, I, there is no sense. There okay. is no, no understanding. I just put up a blog this morning on Hockey Buzz talking about how the Jets' next big issue is Morrissey, and part of this is is I, I, I use the premise that assuming Jacob Truba is leaving, and I think that's a safe assumption based on the way things are going. I think we can say you're you're leaning to seventy-five to eighty percent that that relationship is going to come to an end. During this season or in the off season, some way, one way or another, Josh Morrissey's your number one left defenseman. Who do you put to play with him? So you either somehow magically find another number one defenseman via trade, right? D defenseman and replace Truba, which I think is unlikely. That's unlikely. It's unlikely. So then you go, well, what's next? Well, Tyler Myers comes up off his deal after next season, and. Myers and Morrissey played about 350 minutes with each other last season at even strength, and they didn't do too badly. They weren't they, they they were pushing the puck in the right end of the ice. They weren't fantastic in their own end, but it wasn't a train wreck as someone's would expect. And you have to wonder, maybe that's plan B. You move Myers up and you that and you re-sign him at probably a little more than what he's making AAV now, hopefully. But if you, your plan is to move them up and convince them to stay and you're saying, well, now you're the number one right D on this team. You're going to have to maybe have to pay him number one right D top pairing salary. And now the question becomes, do you want to do that for Tyler Myers? So I think that th- th- there's a big bit of unknown with the Jets and Tyler Myers right now. Um, and, and a lot of that depends on what we've talked about last season and we're going to talk about all this season. Right. is what happens with Jacob Truba? because oh. if they go and if he leaves and there's no return that can fill that spot, Tyler Myers is your next guy who probably plays number one right D with Morrissey and Bufflin moves back and stays in the second pairing.
1: Well, I was gonna say what after the uh, the uh, uh, after Enstrom left their left side is their weak side correct because you have true you have Truba of myers and B- bufflin on the on the right side what do you yeah. what's what's on the left side morrissey
2: morrissey um morrissey morrow Sharat, and um sammy Niku. who well i mean sammy Niku was named the ahl defenseman of the year oh, no no i
1: wasn't saying that i'm just no, no, no. i i do so that but that's 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 your left side i keep i, I Peter, I keep going back to the two teams that we cover and how perfect yeah. a deal between them. One team is yeah. so weak on the right side, one team is so weak on the left yeah. side. You've got two expiring contracts. Uh, I know that the Leafs have, uh, that Kyle Dubas talked to Jake Gardner's agent at the NHL draft. His, I believe his agent is Pat Brisson. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and there has no, not, the, the story hasn't moved since then. I mean, a, a Myers, a Myers for Gardner would make total sense, even if both players are intending to go to free agency, because it helps both teams in the short term balance out their blue line. So, I mean, I, I mean that. To, I mean, if we could, if we could take over as general managers, I think that would be the first, the first deal that yeah. we could
2: make. Absolutely, I, I mean, it, there's so much logical sense to this. And that's what's sort of hard to understand is, is why isn't something working? And obviously, you know, why isn't something happening? And there's obviously something, clearly something we're, we're missing in terms of the bigger picture. Yeah. But it solves problems for both teams. Sure. Yeah. And, and frankly, it solves problems, particularly for the Leafs in an aspect that if they can, if that location in that area is a jive for Truba and his family based on geographic proximity to home in Michigan and stuff. Sure, there may not be the same level of salary hit that comes with playing in Winnipeg either. Right, but what hasn't happened?
3: That's the thing. It sounds very easy, but it hasn't happened. So
1: there's something holding it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it. I mean, in in the perfect world of you know Gardner plus for Truba, um, I mean the thing is, is that maybe. Shoveldaw doesn't like Gardner. Doesn't like the type of defenseman yeah. he is. Maybe they think that Gardner is going to ask for probably close to what true I mean, remember, Gardner could have a 50-point season this year, and right. that means 42, 52, and 50 plus. Yeah, so,
3: yeah.
1: You know,
2: based that's on, six million.
1: That's it, not- easily six million. Now, those, if it's- those are Sandus Ojlish numbers, and he plays just like him. Now the one the one benefit here, and I've always because I've thought about this a lot, and obviously during the summer, you when you theorize about things, you write them because there's not else, something else going on. Gardner's from Minnesota, Minnesota is a hop, skip, and a jump from Winnipeg. It's not. It's yeah. it, what is it? A three-hour, four-hour drive or a short flight? I mean, it's yeah, not.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, like exactly. I mean, if you look at the history of the Winnipeg Jets as they've come from Atlanta, they have held on to a lot of northern u.s kids yes wheeler bufflin stewart we're all guys from minnesota you've got um tucker poolman who's from north dakota you've got i mean truba's a northeastern or a northern north northern u.s kid who else there's more um there's more. i'm trying to think of who else kyle connor i believe is too
3: yeah connor's yeah he's from the area yeah
2: um And there's a few others in the prospect pipe, if I recall. So, yeah, you know, they play to that wheelhouse. that This area is not super foreign to you.
3: I do have breaking news. Go ahead. Okay. Reported on TSN's Twitter feed. Gary Bettman says the league wants a cut of gambling profits if it's intellectual property, data or video from games are used. Like that, you know, is an interesting subject now because I'm trying to think in what way would that happen? would a casino sort of flash up on the game the odds like just before the game like in game center would they you know when they're showing it like i'm trying to think when that would when that would occur and maybe that's what would happen is maybe they they show the weekly highlights and and they say well this game is going to be running at 4 to 1 tomorrow and this game you know like if they're previewing on yeah, the network i don't, know. I, don't think,
1: I don't think the nhl would put Odds on their oh, they're not going to do it. Right, 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 right.
3: But I'm saying is a casino. Would a casino yes grab the footage and do oh. that with like their own people and pay the rights fee?
2: It's it, the, exactly. It's the rights fee yeah. to the NHL to integrate that in with them. Right. Now, oh um, my goodness. And, uh-huh. You know what? Th- this is a very interesting thing. If this. uh if this really goes through in a capacity that they're talking with the NBA and stuff. Because think of all the prop bets, start of the second, all these different things that could happen live. I mean, there's a treasure trove of money to be made. But, But
1: here, here's the question though, is this hockey related revenue? Because if it is, oh, a troublemaker, Mike. Oh well, no, I'm just, I, mean, I mean because you know that the PA is going to say, where the hell's my piece of the pie? No, they're going
3: to have to get a cut too. They will.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's not going to going to be pure profit on the point on the on the part of the of the owners. I mean, will well, be nice. I mean,
2: the the profit is profit. It's sure. just where is the profit allocated to right. in the grand scheme of things? Yeah. But um, the, interesting, the interesting thing is take that a step further, and I think it's a really good point, Mike. You introduce this to the players, say, well, we're going to bring you in more revenue. What's the give back from them? Remember, the players don't control the revenue coming in. Right, The league does. So the league puts this initiative and said, guess what, guys? Our basic pro forma numbers say we expect a $50 million increase in revenue from this. I'm just throwing numbers in the air. I have no idea what it would be. Right. You know, 25 of that million, 25 of that is going to go back to you guys. And what that would, What's what's that worth to you to, in a concession that we want over here?
1: Well, what it's, yes. worth to them, what it's worth to them is less escrow because it's yeah. that 25 million dollars in additional profit. That means 25 million dollars that doesn't have to go to escrow to the to the league to balance out the the current CBA. I mean, we know that escrow is going to be a big stum- stumbling block when it comes to and and, and I remember, I can't remember if it was Kevin or somebody else said, well, it, that's part of any hard cap. It's you know, it's part of any kind of hockey related revenue when it's a balancing act. You have to have escrow to make sure things balance out at the end of the year because you don't know where the profits are going to go but that is a sticking point for the players they hate having to hold 15 20 percent of their salary in reserve till the end of the year until the bean counters count yeah. things and then find out oh do i get it or do i don't do i not get it so yeah, no
2: it's a it's a it's a huge thing but you, how do you keep both sides honest That's the crux of what escrow does is it keeps both sides honest. And as long as they can agree on how escrow works in terms of the amount taken, the amount held back, they're accurate on their numbers, and the NHL allows a proper audit done from the player side, it's the only way to keep them honest. I don't know how you get rid of escrow. You may want to change escrow a little bit, but I don't know how you can get rid of it. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to get if
1: I had a mortgage, I would love to get rid of escrow, but somebody's <laughs> got to pay the taxes and insurance, and that the, what the hell is as that's what escrow is for. So,
3: yeah.
1: uh, okay, let's let's move on here. Um, now, I saw that today was the 32nd birthday, I was struck by this—the 32nd birthday of of Genie Malkin. So it's like you know, I, I'm, I know I'm old, so I remember when he was a rookie, and so did I'm you sure, both
3: card year. or anything like.
1: No, I did not. I did not. Uh, I was gonna send him some. Uh, really? a... I, thought, I thought I asked you to send him a card from the show. I I, 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 I shirked my responsibility. What can I tell you? But uh, but that that fact and the fact that you know Sidney Crosby, whose birthday is next week, you know he's turning thirty-one. You start to have to think. I mean, has the window for the Pittsburgh Penguins passed? You know, you're talking about Malkin's 32, Crosby's 31, I think Kessel turns 30. Now, they do have young players, you know, the Gensels and the Matt Murrays. Um, you know, Latang is, uh, I think, I believe he's close to 30 or over 30, and he's had a slew of injury problems. And, you know, this is a team that they went to the second round, they lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champion, so there's no disgrace in that after winning two cups in a row. But the question is, is it over for them or how how much of a window is still left for them?
3: No, it's not over for them. I mean, I, I expect Malkin to be that kind of player that can play really well right up until the age of like 37, 38. He's, he's he's very unusual. Even for a big guy, he skates well. He does get nicked up each year, but when he comes back, even if he's a little hampered, he's still better than most guys on the ice. I He's – He's very durable. If you think about it, like he may have missed some games, but, he, you know, he still played, what, 784 games in one, two, three, six, nine, like 12 years. So he's still averaging 70 games a year or something, yeah. you know. I mean, so that's – you look at that and you say, okay, yeah, he's averaging 60, 61 games a year. It's still pretty good. Cause yeah, he's and, had and 98 more- points last year. Yeah, and one of them was a um, was the year they started late, right? The lockout. So that's that's still pretty good. You look at his goals, he's got 370 goals, 930 points. He's gonna get a thousand points this year. He's still one of the great players. Crosby's still one of the great players. They have young goaltending. They they will be around for a while. But it's interesting with Malcolm because I think I, I did the first article on him, maybe even in North America. But I definitely did on NHL.com because I did a, a prospect preview on, on Malkin for the World Juniors. And it was really interesting because at that time, you knew he was going to be great, but you didn't know would he be an all-time great. Like, that's so hard to predict. And I probably didn't want to go out on a limb when I wrote that article and say, yeah, he's going to be you know, a whole, surefire Hall of Famer, all-time great, one of the great Russian players ever. But that's what he's going to be.
1: Peter what do you think do you think the the, the window is closed or the, is closing or you know how much time do you think this team has
2: Sorry I, I had to look at some of my screen which the, team The I'd penguins pick. the penguins, oh, the the right. penguins right. I think it's closing I think it's I mean they've got they've got three lines anchored by Malkin, Kessel, and Crosby you can do a lot with that you still can't Sure but the 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 ex, how you expedite fixing the problems that come up each year is that's where they're running out of time. You can't, you, you keep signing other deals. You got to cut, you got, it's just your, your wedge of how to like your opportunity to fix the little problems, to keep tweaking with those anchor guys, that's what's holding them back. And, and you have to wonder like, is the next move to reset with one of those three and it won't be Crosby. (laughs) Well,
3: here's breaking news this upcoming season there'll be bobbleheads featuring crosby, malkin and latang so clearly they're not going anywhere this year most of the time most of the time when teams do that they don't intend on trading a guy
1: okay here's a team in the west and it's not it's not going to be a, uh, surprising but i'll just illustrate this for for you guys and for the people watching their top 3 of uh, uh, most highly highest paid forwards are 30 35 Thirty-three and thirty-three. Their top-paid defenseman is twenty-eight, and he just signed a eight-year, eighty-eight million-dollar extension. Their uh, their number two and three defensemen are thirty-three and thirty-one, and their fourth defenseman is twenty-nine. And their starting goaltenders are thirty. Their starting goaltender is thirty-two, and their backup is thirty-five. That is the LA Kings, ladies and gentlemen. And I and like. I don't think it's going out on a limb to say I think the window maybe is closed on them even though I think Kopitar is is still great and I think Dowdy's is one of the best defensemen in the league and Quick seems to be you know still able and able bodied but I don't know I mean we, you can count on two hands the number of 30 year olds who are still or 30 plus year olds who are still really good you know it, you
3: know what that reminds me of like I think they're going to end up being like the um the El the California Angels team that had all those
1: guys Carew that, and Baylor and Reggie and,
3: and they were all aging, but they were they still had one more runner in them, and and the Kings could still have one more runner in them the same way those guys did because those guys hung around together too, and you know they eventually got eliminated. The Angels didn't win the World Series clearly, but you know that year anyhow.
1: So you think that you think that summers on Manhattan Beach uh, will keep them uh, uh, young and vital and. Whatever and
3: well, it'll eventually make your your skin like leather. But for playing sake, yes,
1: it didn't. It didn't make Joffrey Lupul vital, but never mind. Um, okay, uh, I wrote something today based on the fact that today is the Major League Baseball trade deadline, and one of my bones of contention over the last few years has been that the NHL trade deadline has sucked. It really has been terrible, uh, and it's and it's not. I think that the league has tried to do things to sort of remedy that or make it easier for teams to make moves. But with the escalation of long-term uh, contracts and with the you know, teams up against the cap, there are a few mechanisms like pl- putting players on long-term injury or, or retaining salary that help make moves possible, but it's still not enough. And, you know, the teams that want to spend can't and the teams that don't want to spend don't want to take on salary. So it's everything is limited. And I, you know, I, I, I spitballed a couple ideas and I talked to Russ about it before the show. And uh, the one of them, I think, you know, it has precedent in another sport, namely baseball. And in baseball, you know, you've seen a team like the Yankees. They traded a, a relief pitcher yesterday for room under. The, there's a signing bonus limitation for players, interna- international players. Uh-huh. And they traded a player for basically cap space on this international signing uh-huh. bonus pool. So they traded a player. The team who they traded him to got a relief pitcher who's good, and the Yankees got cap space to spend on some 16- or 17-year-old. The- actually, it's
3: more than that. The Yankees are actually targeting the number one guy. Yes. So they – they even though they're the New York Yankees they just don't automatically have the most money with international funds right. so that's why they've had to acquire from other teams but they're going after the number one guy out there so
1: right and and that's and that's the thing it's like i mean i i i say like and obviously any none of these changes could happen until a new cba is is negotiated and that doesn't happen until 2022 but you know peter if they're moving around players like Chris Pronger and Dave Boland and they're playing those sort of shell games like like Arizona's done the last few years, then trading cap space is sort of just the next step. And I, I don't think there's I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think in fact, I think that the haves and the have nots both benefit from it.
2: I I have long been a proponent of trading cap space or buying cap space is a better way of looking at it. So if you come, I've always said like, okay, you come to the trade deadline, the team has $2 million in cap space, but they can buy cap space for the rest of that season. They can do it. So what's cap space worth? So say you go and you look at, you, you go and talk to, a team that has 8 million dollars in cap space i need 4 million what's the cost is it dollar for dollar is it 50 cents on the dollar what and then you know that team has to look at it and go well what's maybe it's maybe they can get 75 cents on the dollar or a dollar 5 compared to another team from another team like how desperate is that other team to get the cap space and i think there's that's and that's hockey related revenue right but i i think also it's that's a very one-sided way of uh, of how this is going to work because I don't think you'll see a lot of teams buying cap space. I think you only see the rich teams doing it. But if it keeps the rich teams spending to the cap so they can buy more, that is that a bad thing? And no, and I'm not sure. No, I don't I know mean, what the answer is to that.
3: But here's the thing, though. I this definitely was my number one answer when asked about it too because I like the idea of trading cap space. I think even if you're a team that's out of it, you still might be trading cap space to get a key prospect that you couldn't get before, or you couldn't get in the last draft, or whatever. And I think that's a so whether it's with a rich team or even a middle team that is just, you know, hoping that they can get that last spot, it doesn't matter to me
1: right i mean it's it's not one sided a team a team like new jersey who has what 15 16 million dollars in cap space and probably is not going to use it yeah. they benefit if say all of a sudden you know the the maple leafs want 5 million dollars in cap space they could trade for that the, the devils would get you know a draft pick or a prospect or something that would be yeah. po- positive and beneficial to them and the leafs would get their cap space the te- you know the, the, the players wouldn't complain because you know, they're, you know, they're, they're, players are getting paid. So it's, I, I don't see that the PA would have a problem with it. It's simply, it's a, it's a, it's a sort of an end around on the hard salary cap. And that's where I yeah. think that the, the league would have a problem with it. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's beneficial to stop the, 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 the big teams, the teams that have money to spend money. You know, it's like, you know, I, I don't see a negative in it. I no, really I
3: don't see it. a negative either. Um, you know, Matt is asking our thoughts on luxury tax. Here, Here's my thought. It is just for the rich, and the poor teams just pocket it, and they never put it back into their franchise. Yeah. right. That's bad about the luxury tax.
1: Right, and, and remember the Canadian Assistance Fund back in the day. You know, the rich teams paid into it, and the teams that had needed, needed help got it. And, you know, I mean, they used it to survive. But, I mean, if there was a luxury tax, then, I mean, it would – basically be the same thing but in major league baseball you see i mean very few instances where teams like Kansas City they actually used that money to build up a team to be a championship team and then they stripped it down after they got to a couple world series and now they're making they're they're spending next to nothing and they're the worst team in baseball so um now the other my other idea and i've heard this expressed before and it has its has its problems, but an exemption, a what I call the Butch Goring exemption. Basically, if a team trades for a unrestricted free agent, an expiring contract, that the salary now, if like Toronto trades for a trades for Eric Carlson, Toronto's responsible for Eric Carlson's salary for the rest of the year. But the cap hit Is not there is no cap hit. Basically, they trade for a guy, and you're allowed to trade for a guy in one 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 player per team. That there's an exemption for the salary, so it allows them to fit that player because, or you know, they wouldn't have to like make moves to fit a player because there's an exemption. I there's there it's it. I think that's a that's a good compromise, but I think probably a lot of teams would have problems with it.
2: Thoughts? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think there's I an interesting aspect to that. Um, You know, like for the so you, you're trading a player, you get the exemption for the remaining salary cap on that, so you can acquire them. It just it basically it's just saying it doesn't apply. Right. Um, ha, how many times? Once? One. Twice? Yeah, one. I guess one, once one, player. You do it. One, player. one player. One player. So, so for instance, if you take the Winnipeg Jets, you acquire Paul Stasny, but you don't get his cap hit. Right, right. then you could take what you did and maybe get another player too. Right. Like it just, it just sort of gives you an extra ad. And and I don't know if there's a bad thing about that. I mean, and the gamble, you know, again, is what are those costs? What are the players costs? So teams that do it, right. So, so the risk, the the, the holistic risk across the, the league is if you're going to play that game, does it drive the price up because it doesn't yes. apply to your cap it? Yes. So yeah, now you're yeah. going to have to really weigh those that balance.
1: It, well, that, that that was the thing. It says you use the Stasny trade as an example. No. If you, you know, in that deal, I believe St. Louis had to retain 50% of the salary. 50%. And they got a first round pick in Foley. And Foley. It, it, okay. So in that instance, they don't have to retain 50%. Yeah. So it's, sure. it's, it's more cost effective for them. They can, if with this waiver, they can generate a market for a seven point five million dollar player, yeah, even from teams that don't have seven point five million in cap space, yeah, which increases the return for the blues. So I think so, it's it's a yeah.
2: for the haves and the have yeah, not have nots. So what if you expand this and say, let's try because one of the things I think we all agree on is we want to see more ability for deals to be made for for GMs to go and try and change the direction of their team and the salary cap and some of the contracts because of the salary cap just they've squeezed that great thing where you could see these great three-player trades and stuff like that they've just squeezed it out to almost nothing but it's still a really critical point of the fan experience in hockey so what if you had a player on a two-year deal would you be, could you get, make it, would it be an option to make the person allowed or the t- acquiring team allowed, you get an exemption for that year, come the next year, you got to figure it out. Like, so you, you, right. you, don't get hit now, but by training camp, start a training camp that you've got to find out where your cap space is to keep that player or trade them again. Right. Okay. I, I think, I think the more the league and the, and the NHLPA can do to, Understand the value proposition of this, and for the fan experience, they can. It, it makes it a better, a better game for people and for teams because right now it, it just doesn't seem. I don't want to use the term equitable. It's not inequitable. It's just not. Maybe and maybe I'm nostalgic. It's not what it was. Yeah. And and, yeah. and that was something that kept fans engaged in hockey
1: well here's one thing that i think has had a chilling effect on some potential trades and i know like for example i'll use the phil kessel deal the phil you know kessel had i think seven years left in his contract when the Leafs traded him a few years ago and they had to retain i think was 15 percent of the salary which was 1.2 million on an eight-year deal um you have to retain the same amount per year for the length of the contract, if you're sa- if you're doing salary retention. Mm-hmm. There are some deals that could be made, but the, 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 w- even with long-term players where the, that probably got squelched because a team doesn't want to retain 50% of the salary for the length of the deal. If they could do where they could retain 50% of the salary for one year and then it goes to that other team, it probably opens up some flexibility and I, I don't understand why it has to be throughout the deal, it, why it can't be you know at least for the first year some flexibility and then that team takes on more or take, takes on, you know what I'm saying? I think I think yeah. that would add some because we know the capologists can work their magic and that's what they do. And I think that would provide a little more flexibility. So, yeah, think- all right. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Bruce. sorry. No, I think there's something to that. I agree. Uh, let's take a couple questions before we end the show. You got any in the chat?
3: All right, let me check. I warned them, so let's see. All right. Uh, do the Rangers have cap concerns this year? Uh, and this was asked by Cousin Eddie. They, they're squeezing it out. Like they do have like just under 10 million for a couple of guys. Spooner's going to get almost 5 million himself. He'll get just under that. So they're you know they're getting close so that's
1: they're not quite there but yeah they it's getting a little tight even for them uh, let me let me just this is not breaking news but in the wake of the Chuck Caton situation in Carolina, which I still think is is, is just balderdash it's just stupid yeah. um, a a source here uh, who I you know, follow uh, YYZ Sports Media, a guy who who has a good a good uh, pulse on the Toronto media scene. Said that uh, Joe Bowen, who's the uh, going to be inducted in the Hall of Fame this year, and Jim Ralph, who is his color commentator, who's great. You know, very entertaining guys, great guys. I've gotten to know them over the last few years. That uh, they have signed five-year extensions <coughs> to be the play-by-play and color commentator for the Leafs on the radio. So that I mean, if there was any Good to see radio work somewhere. Yeah, it and it it does. I and no 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 slagging the 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 uh, the, the TV broadcasters who cover the Leafs for TSN and Sportsnet. Right. But as somebody who's li- who's followed the Leafs for most of my life and listened to Joe Bowen since the early '80s, he's great. He's very entertaining and he gets into it, and it's it's great to, you know. De- I love Dennis Bayak, and he was the only one who you know because he does uh, the Jets broadcast for TSN. Dennis Bayak was the only guy that I really like. Uh, gravitated towards who did uh, radio when Joe Bowen was doing TV. So, um, you know, it's he's the voice of the Leaf fan, and the Leaf fans love him, so it's great that he'll be back for five oh, years. That's good. that's good news, and it's good for radio.
3: All right, so Matt asks us, if Pacioretty wanted to be in Florida, well, who would be the likely target? Would it be one of the young defensemen, like Matheson, Pesick, to try and fill the void of Sagacha by committee? Um, it wouldn't be Matheson. Like, he's an untouchable they love him
1: there. Dale Talon will not trade that kid. He based won't. on based on this report, it sounds like it won't wouldn't be anybody like that. It's not gonna be Borkstrom, it's not gonna be Bukestad, it's not gonna be Trochak. I mean, they're, they're teams are offering the rental one year price, and none of those guys are consistent with a rental one year price. No, I mean I'm trying to think. Let oh, me Owen Tippett. I mean, are they gonna give up Owen Tippett oh. for Patrick? No. I think they'll I would give up the 2019 first and maybe a lower prospect. I think that's about it all you'd get.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna try and at least give you a name. I'm not coming up with one off the top of my head. So here. Um do, 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 do. I, all right, so you might be able to get someone like Max Gildon who, you know, is currently playing in the uh the HL? no, no, in the scrimmages up oh. in, in loops. Okay. For the world juniors. You might be able to get someone like him who who can be a really good defenseman in three years.
1: Right. But you're not to, you're talking about a long range prospect and probably yeah. a draft pick. You're not talking about somebody who's gonna step into the Habs lineup right no.
3: away. Okay. Nope, I don't think so either. Uh so let's see who else let's see. These guys yap up a storm, it's hard to
1: yeah, I know. That's that's the one. That's the one bad thing about the uh, the Yahoo chat room. It's like you have to like physically go back and uh, and pull it down to pull questions up. But- well, Matt
3: also brought up an interesting thing when we talked about the gambling aspect. Does this mean Ari- speak to Arizona possibly moving to a casino based arena? I, mean, I guess that's possible. I mean, I don't know if it would be in Arizona. It could be somewhere else.
1: Wasn't wasn't Gila, wasn't Gila River? Wasn't that you know because that was part of the previous names? Wasn't that like a casino? I think it was a yeah. Casino. That was it was a casino. That was the West Virginia one that
3: the, the Penguins were going to move to, right? That's
1: no yeah. no, no no That was the, the that was the name. Remember, it's been like the jobbing.com It's been, oh yeah 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 yes I, that was. But you
3: know, I'm think, thinking yeah back in the day when the Penguins when they were teetering they were being considered moved to, to yes. yeah, and that guy was a casino owner. Now it's funny because if it were today, they'd probably do it.
1: Hmm, maybe,
3: but hold on. Let's see if there's anything else. Yeah, uh, One
1: more question.
3: <laughs> one more question. Cause Mike wants to leave. All right. Uh, I have to go. I have
1: to go co- cover some, ba- I'm covering some baseball today. The, the, hey, uh, there you uh, go. Vladimir Guerrero jr's triple a debut in Buffalo, Buffalo, where everything happens
2: well that's good <laughs> yeah. you, want, you want to be in a happening place
1: sure all right
2: the yeah, last
3: sure. question yeah. i'll i'll answer it i don't remember who asked it will malkin ever be better than Sidney crosby i don't think so but
1: you know i think we'll look at it and it'll be you know somewhat
3: close but no i don't think so
1: i you know i, I asked answer this peter i i think that you know crosby is crosby is crosby and he's going to be considered an all-time great Yeah. but i you know like messier's presence sort of undermined gretzky in a sense remember gretzky never won a stanley cup after you know after edmonton and without messier as his number two he got to a final well he got there because Kerry fraser blew a call um but no but he got but messier went on to win stanley cups after gretzky with, yeah. Cro- with Crosby, it's like it's always going to be that one-two. You could never put yeah. – whenever you put that top checker against Crosby, Malkin was there to no. you pay.
2: Right.
3: And last that – uh, a yeah. uh, last one, because this is a pretty good question from Slash. Right. I, I, the Sharks being able to land Artemi Panarin, uh, I, if I had to put a percentage on it, I would give him like 40%. Because I think they're starting to run low on on assets that they mm-hmm. feel like they'd be willing to trade to get a player like that to mortgage it to try and win it all. Yeah.
2: I, the Sharks needed to acquire a Tavares without giving up anything. That's what made Tavares so appealing to them. Right. Um, I think I mean, in regards to Panarin, I think we're all going to be really surprised at the ending of this. I just don't think it's going to be a logical ending in here and something weird's going to happen. And I, I that's just how it, it just strikes me as an odd situation. Well, um, and that a weird team comes out of nowhere for him, and it doesn't really, I mean, it doesn't mean it doesn't make sense, I mean, it's but we be just like don't really.
3: An M. Night Shyamalan movie like that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, Bruce Willis pops up? Yeah, he, he trades Panarin.
2: Yeah. Cameo team shows up. I don't know. It's just going to be different. I don't know. That's just how I see it. Samuel
1: Jack and Jackson rolls in in a wheelchair, Mister Glass. Oh, no, oh. <laughs> no. Now let's let us let let's just let's just say this, because Elliot Friedman floated a couple of weeks ago about Toronto, and it, to me it was like, okay, how did this how, is, how does this happen? Because I I don't see a logical way of it happening. The only way that it happens is if Columbus is. Is comfortable with taking a one year rental price for Panarin. And I, I don't know, you know, I know, if Ak was on here, he'd argue the point and he'd probably argue too. He's blue in the face, but it's like, I don't know how much the Blue Jackets value one good season with Bobrovsky and Panarin and making the playoffs and making a run. Cause I don't think, I still don't think they're a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. I don't think they have enough. But anything is possible, so I mean, it, it depends on what they value that one year to be. And if they say, "Okay, well, we got to get what we can get," then maybe something happens before the season where they they get a first round pick and a top prospect, and there you go. But I, I don't know. I, I don't. I think it's a deadline move, if anything.
3: Yeah, I think it is a deadline move. I agree. If it happens, that's the way it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, and if they're if they're at t- in the top of the the top of the metro division, then they keep them, and they just say, okay, we're going to lose them. So, but yeah. at least, and if we're they're in third or fourth place and fighting for a playoff spot, then they're going to say, you know, they're going to do what Rizzo from the uh, Washington Senators senators or Washington Nationals. Excuse me, I'm thinking 1924 Washington Senators. No, no,
3: you don't know Ted Williams when he was the manager was like the '68 Senators. That's that's fair. There you
1: go. Okay, we got to go, guys. Uh, right. For Peter Tessier, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. And remember without the buzz, it's just hockey.
0: plus